Uh, welcome this morning. It's good to see everybody. It's the best part of my week to open up the Word with you and uh, see what does God have, uh, what does God have to say in His Word. What does God have to reveal um, in His Word this morning? We're on a, a series, ten-week series called "God and Our Greatest Fears." Uh, through the weeks, we've been talking about fears: fears of losing our freedom, and fears of pain, and fear of misery, fear of the unknown, fear of loneliness, fear of disappointment, and then. Uh, the next three weeks, we'll be talking about fear of judgment um, and ridicule and the fear of death and the fear of failure. But this morning, we're going to talk about the fear of rejection. Uh, number one, one of our greatest fears is the fear of rejection. When you look at the word fear, um, many people condone it and say, you know, that's not a very good word. We're not supposed to have fear. We're believers. We, we shouldn't have any fear. Well, what it really comes down to is that we have fear no matter what. Even when it does not hit our mind to say, oh, I'm afraid of something, uh, fear is inside of us that controls us. Fear rules us. Fear dominates us. Our decisions are based often, um, almost, I wouldn't even say often, I would say majority of our decisions are based by fear. Uh, should I move this direction or should I move this direction? I'll probably go the direction where there's less fear. And so our, our personalities um, are developed even by this, this fear. So it's not, fear is not a bad thing. Uh, fear is something we just can't invo- avoid because it's part of our system. So let's look at the fear of rejection. Is rejection really that big of a deal? Is rejection really a strong fear that dominates our decision? Is rejection something so powerful that, uh, that it uh, controls us, moves us, motivates us, or destroys us, pulls us down, and ruins us? What about this fear of rejection? Just a couple of different facts on rejection. When you're raising a child from zero to five, their personality is completely developed from zero to five. The most important part of that development in their personality is from zero to two. What's taking place with a child as they're being raised from zero to two? Uh, they have a mother that um, has them in their arms or does not have them in their arms. But they're being developed, their minds are being developed, and they're completely in tune whether I am being rejected or not. Am I alone or am I not? Then when you get the the terrible twos from two to to four, you know, you kind of go through the stages when, I don't know, maybe my kids are the only ones that went through the terrible twos. But when they went through the terrible twos, it's almost like a statement, I am going to misbehave to the umph degree, and I'm going to see if you're going to reject me or not. In fact, I'm going to see if you're going to respond to me or not. Looking back um, during zero to five um, of raising my kids, I can honestly say that that is when their personality was developed. And the personality was developed on our response, the parents' response, to our children. So we can ask the question, is rejection um, during those years um, very important or not very important? Kids are developed by rejection or not rejection. A couple other things talk about rejection. Rejection piggybacks on physical pains, uh, pathways to the brain. So in other words, if you look at an fMRI, studies show that the same areas of the brain become activated when we experience rejection as when we experience physical pain. This is why rejection hurts so much. So when we receive rejection, the areas in our brain light up the same areas of when we receive extreme physical pain. So does rejection hurt? According to this study, rejection hurts to the extreme. But rejection carries even stronger hurt than physical pain. 
And the reason why is because if you look back on a physical pain, it's not nearly as painful. See, if you look back two years from then of when it took place, it's not nearly as painful as the pain of rejection that took place two years ago. Because in our minds, what we're doing is, is we're thinking about it, and rejection is something that we cannot let loose of, but we can let loose of physical pain even more. So I'll ask the question again, is rejection really that painful? Is it really something to be afraid of? Just read something that has taken place in your notes. This is from a secular article talking about rejection. The social fear is one of the main reasons people act the way that they do. We tend to, sometimes blindly, follow the actions of others because it helps us avoid dealing with rejection from the society. We fear rejection because, like the fear of being alone, most of us can only justify our existence through the fear, through the acknowledgement and the acceptance of others. Now, this is under the topic of rejection, and this is not a Christian that's writing this. And they have put rejection almost as the, one of the top things that dominate us, that dominates our decisions, that dominates our behaviors, that dominates what's taking place in our life. And then according to this, they make a radical statement saying that, listen to this radical statement, most of us can only justify our existence through the acknowledgement and acceptance of others. Rejection, according to this, carries power to the extreme. So if rejection carries this power to extreme, we do have to ask the question, because it's God in our greatest fears. What does the Bible say about this topic of rejection? Is the topic of rejection even in the Bible? Is the topic of rejection um, emphasized in the Bible? If God was going to speak into this topic of rejection, what would he say? I think the first thing that uh, would be mentioned is number two, we can only justify our existence through the acknowledgement and acceptance of God. See, this topic of rejection is extremely huge. An unbeliever says, I can only justify my existence through the acceptance and the acknowledgement of other people. God takes it to a different level and says, you know, that's not enough. That's not enough to live only for the acceptance of other people because we know that people always let us down. What's enough is to justify our existence is we have to live under, am I going to be rejected by God? Or am I not going to be rejected by God? You see, what happens is that you see this physical horror of rejection take place. And we taste it when people do it. But God's saying in his mind, am I going to reject you or am I not going to reject you? And if I do or if I don't, this is what is going to justify your life or even not justify your life. According to the Bible, there's lots of words that make the statement. In fact, I would say the whole Bible is pushing through, make the statement that you are loved by God and you will not be rejected by God because of that extreme love that he has for you. But the, the, the take on it is it must be embraced. It must not be rejected. 1 John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not be rejected by God, but have eternal life. But God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him 
might be saved. You see, this verse has taken all of us to a different level of purpose, a different level of mission, a different level of even identity, not finding our identity from others, but finding our identity in God. Number three, the acceptance of others proclaims how beautiful the acceptance of God is. When I uh, walk, um, come home, um, after I leave my dog at home, uh, my dog rushes me, jumps on me, kisses me, and is so excited to see me that he practically pees himself. And then I get on him, and he just gets all excited, licks my face, he nibbles on my beard, and it's always this homecoming for me. I feel like a king. I feel like a ruler. I feel strong. I feel completely loved. And as my wife watches it, she says, do not ever expect me to respond this way when you come home, because I'm never going to respond this way when you walk into the door. Why do I own a dog? Because maybe I like to feel extremely loved. But the times that my wife shows me love, what is it, how does it make you feel? How does it make me feel when my wife shows me I'm loved, when I'm not rejected? It's a rich thing that takes place. When I leave for mission trips and I come home, uh, my daughters, when they were younger, used to do little chains of the days that I would come back. It would make me feel good because I knew that when I came home, there was high expectation of being able to hold me, being able to greet me, being able to see me again. They'd show up at the airport, and then they would embrace me. It was something that made me feel full of joy, feel completely accepted, feel completely excited. When I proposed to my wife, um, she said yes. In the back of my mind, I said, um, are you sure you know what you're going to get into? Or are you crazy? What are you thinking about? But the still, the saying yes was a very rich thing that took place in my life in a sense that I'm not rejected, and we're going to move together um, in life, um, not apart, but together. Being accepted is extremely powerful when we are accepted by people. But being accepted by people is just a small taste of what it's going to be when we are accepted by God. Look at these words, Zephaniah three seventeen: The Lord your God is in your midst. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Um, that is my dog that responds that way, but it's God that responds that way to me. If you look at that picture. He shouts over me with joy, making a statement that I'm not going to reject you. I love you. I want to respond to you. I want to embrace you. In fact, you will be um, somebody that I look at that I can hold, somebody that I look at that I can have a relationship with, somebody I look at that we can get to know. You see the power of God not rejecting us but responding to us? Number four, the rejection of others gives us a taste of how devastating the rejection of God would be. When I was, uh, um, if you look at the, the development of children, the rejection of parents um, destroys them. If you look at the rejection of mates, um, it's extremely difficult to overcome. Rejection of friends, stay with us. The rejection of a church, how many people feel like I was hurt by the church, I feel like I was rejected, I'll never walk through the doors of a church again. It stays with us, and we stay, keep away from the areas that we reject us. Um, when I was in fifth grade, um, I had a girl that I really liked, 
neighbor girl, and, and, uh, and there was, um, she knew that I really liked her, and I even responded to her. It's like, hey, you want to be my girlfriend? Well, you know, she was in third grade. I was in fifth grade. You know, this is way back when. We are just, you know, really young. And she said, no, I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> well, that was a um, rejection when fifth grade. But as I was rejected in fifth grade, you know, I grew up with boys. I didn't know what girls thought. I didn't know what was in girls' minds. And, uh, and I don't know if this was the specific thing that kind of brought my, re- my reaction in my life, but uh, I always thought that, you know, girls just tolerate guys. You know, all the way through junior high, I never asked a girl out because girls just tolerate guys. They don't like guys. They just tolerate them. All the way through high school, I didn't ta- ask any girls out. I'm like, I'm not going to get rejected. No way. Absolutely not. In fact, even when my wife and I were um, dating, we still didn't have any thick talks whatsoever. In other words, we were just doing things together. And after about four months of doing things together, my wife says, so uh, maybe we should talk. You know, what do you think of me? And I'm like, huh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to bring this up because of the fears, you know, the fears of being, um, of being rejected. Do you see the power that it, it does carry? It carries an extreme power. What's the most devastating words that you can ever hear in the Bible? I believe that it's these words right here. God speaking to a human being. Depart from me, you cursed ones. Would God ever reject you? I just mentioned that God rejoices over you, that God loves you, but would God ever reject you? Is there something that's going to take place in your life that God would ever reject you? Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So we have a display of God that he wants to embrace us uh, to the extreme, that he um, rejoices over us, that he desires to be with us, that he says, I will absolutely not reject you. You have that in the Word. But then you have these verses here that is also explaining there could be a fear that you could be rejected by God. Number five, if we're going to overcome the fear of rejection, We need to believe that Christ was rejected so we will never be rejected by God. This is the foundational topic of rejection. If we put all of our stock into, are people going to accept me? Are people going to reject me? Purpose is not there. Your identity is not there. The the uh, validation of your life is not there because it's only temporal in this world. The foundation of overcoming the fear of rejection is going to God that will take you from this life to the next and ask the question, is he going to reject me? So we'll ask the question, is God going to reject you? If you stand in front of um, God after you die and he's looking at you and there's a heaven on one side and says, why should I let you into my heaven Um, what would the answer be? What would your response be? Would it be because I lived a perfect life? Well, you know that you haven't lived a perfect life. Would it be because I was a good person in life? Was it because I did everything right, everything that I should have done is because I raised a great family? What would it be that you can do to have God respond to you that there would be no rejection at all? It's taken place, isn't it? that uh, God says that what we have done as individuals, 
um, curses us. And what that is called is that is called sin. And as a result of sin, you will be rejected by God. But I rejoice over people. I love people so much that I will respond to people and I will wipe away their sin. I will wipe away the rejection that they should have, and this is the way I'm going to wipe it away. At the cross, I will go to the cross and pay the price that they should, have, that they should pay. And I'll live the life that they should live. And I will take that upon my shoulders so I can wash them completely clean because of what I've done. Not because of what they've done, but because of what I've done, they can be saved. So let's look at this cross. In the cross we see pain, we see shame, we see ridicule, we see Christ taking our sins upon our shoulders, but also we see God coming, being rejected, so we will not be rejected. Isaiah 53, 2 through 5, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our informalities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken, smitten by God smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we can be completely clean. We can be completely healed. You ever read the book, The Scarlet Letter? The Scarlet Letter, lady committed adultery, and she had to walk around with that reputation. What God has done for us is we don't want he looked at us and says, I don't want you to walk around with a reputation. I don't want you to walk around with people rejecting you because of who you are. What I want you to do is I want to wash you completely clean. Therefore, I will take all the rejection that you deserve and I'll put it on my son so you can be completely embraced by God. So as that sin was put on him, what took place? God rejected him. Matthew 27, 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The things that we should be rejected for was placed on Christ, so we would not be rejected by God. So we just need to ask the question, am I going to keep my sin on my shoulders, or am I going to embrace God, not reject God, embrace the cross, and have it washed completely clean? The scarlet letter, the sin, everything that is on my shoulders could be washed completely clean so I will not be rejected by God, not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done on the cross. Number six, to overcome the fear of rejection, we need to believe that our existence is not justified in our acceptance by others, but through the acceptance of God. If you put your um, self, uh, the sense of self-worth is based on the approval of others, we'll be on a runaway roller coaster. And it will be a temporary runaway roller coaster. Our emotions will go up and will go down whether we are accepted or we're not accepted. Our behavior will be controlled and determined on whether we are accepted or we're not accepted by people. But according to, if you put your stock in God, what takes place is that there's an even keel. All I need to do is put my stock 
on what Christ has done for me, not what I can do for him, but what Christ has done for me, and it will never change. His love for you will never change. It is a rock that will hold you. It is a rock that will carry you. And it is a rock that we can always look to Christ and say, you will rejoice over me not because I deserve it, not because I have earned it, but because of what you have done for me. 1 John four fifteen through 16 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he is in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. What do we do? We know and we rely on the love that he has for us. You see, the center of rejection is something that is very deep inside of our nature. We are extremely afraid of it. We do not want it to happen. Christ was rejected in our stead so we can be accepted. And the only thing we have to do is accept it, accept his death, accept his resurrection as of what he's done, and we can be washed completely clean, stand before God, and God say, this is why you're accepted. Not because of what you've done or who you are, but because of what Christ has done and because of who Christ is. Therefore, I just want to challenge every person in the room. You've got to do something with Christ. You have to do something with Christ. Because a statement that Christ has given us is a statement that is proclaimed, you, I was rejected for you, so you will not be rejected by God. What is the thing you're going to do with Christ? Don't reject it. Don't reject it. He is your Savior, He's your King, and He is your Lord. God, we just thank you so much that uh, you have pursued us. There's no way that we can earn heaven, God. There's no way that we can go into your kingdom as, as completely whole, as completely put together, as completely free, as completely forgiven without Jesus. God, Jesus has done it all for us, and I just pray, God, that if there's anybody in this room that just has not accepted what he has done, that they would respond to you, God. Accept it. Embrace it. So we will not be rejected by you. Thank you, God, for this uh, um, beautiful message of the gospel that has been given to us. God, it is a gospel that uh, uh, changes us. It is a gospel that strengthens us. It's a gospel that sets a foundation underneath us that gives us a purpose, a drive, and a mission. Thank you, God, for this gospel. In Christ's name, amen.